0: What's going on, guys? Stans, we're here for the Wacom Auto family. They can get your credit turned around the way they turn mine around with Wakem's Credit Amnesty. If you're worried about your credit holding you back on a new car, it doesn't have to. You bring home just $350 per week, Wakem can get you pre-approved for as much as $30,000 in automotive credit.
1: Find Wakeham online at wakeham.com. It's W-A-I-K-E-M.com.
0: There's no hard credit pull there, no social security number required either. Just a couple of easy questions, save you some time later on at the dealership. Let's get you in a new ride and get your loan approved at wakeham.com.
1: Hello and welcome back to Paranormal Stakeout. I'm your host, Larry Lawson, coming to you from the Southern Command Post of the X-Zone Broadcast Network in beautiful Vero Beach and Felsmere, Florida. And folks, I'm excited to be back on the air with all of you to discuss our passion, researching and investigating the paranormal. So join us on this quest as we search for those answers of what's really on the other side. And tonight, uh, really pleased to have a guest that's gonna help us on this journey. Daniel Ducheneau from Ghost Hunters of Ottawa for Scientific Truth, acronym GHOST. Uh, After having multiple unexplained experiences as a child, teen and adult, Dan began to study different philosophies, belief systems and religions in order to find the answers. This led him to become even more interested in the paranormal world. Experimenting with seance, Seances, talking boards, and remote writing, and other paranormal theories, his interest grew even further. In 2002, he moved into a home with extensive paranormal activity, and this further developed his need to find the answers to this age-old mystery. He wanted to expand his work and his knowledge, so in 2010, he founded Ghost to do just that. Dan's uh, website is www.ghost.com hyphen Canada dot com and you can find him on Facebook at Ghost Canada. Dan Ducheneau, welcome to Paranormal Stakeout, my friend. Thanks, Larry.
2: Thanks for having me here.
1: And uh, so how is everything up uh with our our brothers uh up north uh, of the border?
2: <clears throat> well this time of year it's getting a little colder but um probably a lot a lot colder than uh, Florida I guess. But, hey we're uh, we're,
1: we're we're having a cold uh, spell right now. We hit a, We only got up to eighty-eight today. So
2: only only the eighty-eight. Okay, I'm yeah. moving in with you then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate you being with us tonight, and you know, you've got an interesting story that really, mm-hmm. um, really is similar to a lot of us that got into the field. But I'd like to hear hear your some of your earlier early experiences in life that um, got you interested in the field. Can you share that with us?
2: Well, I mean, I had a couple of weird experiences when I was uh, younger. Um, I think I had mentioned that before. There was one time I lived on, uh, in Lower Town, and I had a basketball net that was attached to the garage. And the neighboring property had, like, an open field, and somehow the, the ball bounced over the fence. So me and my cousin went on the other side to get the ball. But before we got to the other side, the ball bounced back. Uh, when we got to the field, nobody was there. Um, unless they're superman they can't run away that fast so i was kind of wondering why that ball would just suddenly bounce back over the fence by itself um and it had been on the other side for a while so it's not like it went over the fence bounced, and came back so that was like i would say that would be my first weird experience as a child and i went well that was kind of weird and i was probably around i'd say 12 years old or so mm-hmm.
1: uh, time grew you uh you had other experiences and you began to look into other ways to explain these experiences what did what did you explore what areas did you look into
2: i started studying different religions different philosophies uh started studying the paranormal and uh, it's something i've always been interested in even at that uh, young age of 12. Um, as i got uh, older as an adult the interest got bigger obviously and Mm -hmm. uh, especially after that house i moved in Um, It got even more complex and even more intense after the experiences I had.
1: Yeah, you moved into this house in 2002.
2: Did you know it was haunted when you moved in, or was that a total surprise? It was a total surprise. I had no clue. Um, I had never had any kind of experiences like that before. Um, Not to that extent, anyways. And Mm -hmm. um, it really, really threw me for a loop.
1: What what kind of experiences?
2: I had... uh, I'm talking like stuff moving, uh, flying off shelves. I saw one apparition of a, <clears throat> of a man in my staircase. Um, I, I did see um, a figure walk behind me. I saw the reflection of the figure in the living room window, which was crossing across in the kitchen. Now, I've never done drugs, so I know I wasn't, I wasn't high on anything <laughs> that night. But I do know I saw something walk behind me. Um, and I had, I actually had candle holders fly off the shelves and I'm not talking just fall off the shelves. They went flying like as if something actually took it and threw it.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what we call in law enforcement, a clue.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That would be a Um, big clue. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so how long did this go on before you really started delving into what was going on in that house?
2: It went on for weeks i had friends come over we we tried um all sorts of different things that's when a lot of the experimenting with the um the 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 ouija boards and and the seances to see if if we could sum up something and to find out what might be going on in the house and um, you know that was kind of cool we had some weird experiences but of course i mean experiences it's like a credible sign of the paranormal we don't know so Mm -hmm. As the years went on, I, I wanted to find something a little bit more scientific, a little more concrete, to validate the experiences I had in that house.
1: And is that when you began to you first developed Ghost?
2: Absolutely. That's when I actually said, you know, I, I would I would love to delve into this a little bit more, um, trying to take more of a scientific, a scientific approach, skeptical approach, um, and be a little bit more critical minded about it. And uh, that's when it started in 2010.
1: Well, you obviously had some very personal experiences there. Uh, a lot of folks, when that happens, they'll they'll continue to take, frankly, an emotional uh, view of the whole thing. What made you want to look at it from a, a more
2: scientific
1: standpoint?
2: Well, I mean, it's 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 even hard to say to take a look at it from a scientific ta- standpoint because we still, to this day, try to figure out like what kind of equipment could prove the existence of the paranormal i knew that Ouija board and holding seances it probably was not a lot of credibility behind that um so so but trying to take a more scientific approach was like the next step forward
1: okay well what do you think this this phenomenon is and and how do you where do you see us heading in a
2: scientific way i mean what's, what's your thoughts there if I had all the answers, Larry, I wouldn't even be doing this right now. I, I would just, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't think anybody has all the answers. Um, I think that's why a lot of us do this is, is to try to find uh, an explanation, some kind of validation for some of the experiences a lot of people have, including ourselves as investigators. And, well, uh, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's very hard to to say where it's, where it's going to go. I mean, it, it's, 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 I don't really know what it is.
1: Ah, there, there's the question. Do we really know what it is? Do you have a personal philosophy what you think this phenomenon is at all?
2: Oh, of course. Everybody has their own personal philosophies. I mean, if I'm to tell you the truth of what my beliefs are, uh, which I, usually I keep very separated from my investigating, is mm-hmm. that I, I, truly, I truly believe there is uh, that the, our energy carries on after we, we pass away. Um, I believe there is something after our death, but again, that's my personal belief and uh, the question is, do we linger in between the living and the dying, and is it possible that we can haunt the living that's that's the question I have a belief that there's something after i 'm trying to find out if we can actually stick around after we pass away
1: yeah and that's that's the question we we all have and, and I got to tell you, I kind of uh, have the same view that you do. But the problem is, how do you prove it? I mean, you, you've seen things occur. You've seen things happen in your house. <clears throat> yeah. But how the heck do you prove it to somebody? You know what happened. You know you weren't on drugs or drinking. You yes. know what happened. <laughs> but we can't prove it. And that's, that seems to be our stumbling block that we can't get past.
2: Well, I think the only ways we could – there's only two um, avenues that we can take to either try to prove it. It's either audio or visual. Um, mm-hmm. A picture doesn't lie. If I have a video and I see something floating across my room, that's evidence of the paranormal. Doesn't mean it's 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 some the uh, soul of somebody who's passed on, but it is paranormal. If it goes against the laws of physics, it's paranormal. Yeah, so, um, so 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 video is is one way. Audio, of course. If if you're in a very controlled scientific environment like that, and that's what science about is about is about being in a very controlled environment. Mm -hmm. and you know exactly which people are present and everybody's quiet and you actually catch a voice on video on audio and nobody said a word at that time well where is that other voice coming from so audio and video would be probably the two major forms of media that we can try to prove if there's an existence of the paranormal or even life after death as far as emf meters and everything else okay that's that's all unproven it's not proven scientifically that it works but audio video to me doesn't lie instrumental
1: transcommunication is the is the favorite uh, term now I, I agree with you and you're an audio engineer by trade correct do I have that right
2: no by trade I took a course when I was in the 80s uh, but that's not by trade I'm, I'm a carpenter oh, okay. by trade I, I do ah, okay and and I'm actually studying to be a home inspector so oh, that's okay. my trade but I did take a course when I was in, yeah, back in the 80s in sound engineering but we know today with all the technology the way it changes. It's all digital now. It's nothing compared to what I went to school for. So it's very different. So, um, but I still have a background in audio engineering and sound.
1: Gotcha. And I agree. I think ITC is definitely the, um, the route to take for the future. And that's, and, and that's what our group particularly is, uh, is focusing on, (laughs) uh, evidence found in that area. Um, training, what did, when you first got into this, are you self-taught? Did you take any training? Of-
2: I, I don't think there's any form of training out there that's that's legit because we don't you re- don't really know, uh, Larry, what works and what doesn't. So I I don't know if somebody can actually train somebody to investigate the paranormal. Um, all we can do is tell people tell people that uh, how we do things and what's possibly worked for us. That's the only thing we can do. So no, I've never t- done any training. I don't think anybody ever has done any training in this. I think a lot of it is experiences that, that you uh, you go through uh-huh. and uh, just just studying study, studying the subject for so long, you start to get to know things a little bit more.
1: Gotcha. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about training when we come back on the other side. I've got Daniel Ducheneau of Ghost, uh, Ghost uh, out of Ottawa, Canada. Stick with us, folks. So uh, for our next segment, I think you'll enjoy it. Paranormal Stakeout. We'll be right back. And we are back on Paranormal Stakeout with my guest tonight, Daniel Ducheneau from Ghost Hunters of Ottawa for Scientific Truth, otherwise known as Ghost. And uh, Daniel, before the uh, last break, we were talking a little bit about training, and I'm going to, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about that, because I, I kind of disagree with you mm-hmm. a little bit, and this comes from my, uh, my law enforcement background. Now, I do agree with you that we are so far behind with the development of appropriate equipment um and your your work as a as a home inspector you know darn well most of our equipment is the same thing that uh a lot of times home inspectors use to find wires and walls would you agree
2: Yeah absolutely yeah yeah
1: and so that can throw off all kinds of uh, false readings but i do think training can be important and there's not there's not a lot of it out there so very few people if any have a lot of training but i do think that we can work on developing people's skills with interviewing yeah. i e talking to clients beforehand, understanding the proper collection preservation of evidence, mm-hmm. and also being a little bit more um, skeptical when viewing evidence. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. When um, talking, to, go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: No, no, you finish up there, uh,
3: Larry.
1: No, it's it's just the, the equipment is where I kind of have my, um, oh, my stumbling block. We just haven't done enough to develop things that we can, that we can use. It's all the same stuff we've been using for 20 years. I mean, K2 meters have been out for how long now? And uh, yeah. Okay. A great way to maybe find an anomaly, but it doesn't give you any of that hard tangible evidence that me as a cop, I I'm looking for. So I I see what you're saying, but I do think we can train people uh, to become a little bit more astute in their investigations. Just my thought.
2: I I actually agree with you on that one, Larry. I think, uh, I I don't think there's any kind of formal training. You can't go to ghost school or, you know, paranormal investigative school. But I do think there's a way to train people, especially if you're going to take more an investigative and scientific approach to it. Science is about having a controlled environment. So a lot of people, you know, investigate, they don't have that controlled environment. So, yes, there are probably things aside from the equipment that we could probably teach people with our experience that part of investigating the paranormal is about having, being an investigator, um, trying to debunk certain things like like you, like like you being in law enforcement or me in home inspections. It's the same kind of process, the process of elimination. So, again, having that control environment is something that we could teach people. So, I, I see this maybe as a future thing for, for parallel investigations. Yeah. If we're going to teach people how to investigate, I think the big portion would be to have a controlled environment so that way you can reduce contamination. So, yes, training is possible. I just don't think there's anything available out there right now.
1: Well, there there are actually, I actually do some, have done some training myself. <laughs> uh, I have put on a class down here and, and helping folks understand what it is to investigate the paranormal. We, we did it down here and planning another class in December. Um, but most of it is philosophy-based, most of it is technique-based, uh, and an introduction to equipment. Uh, So that's the direction we're going now, getting people in the right frame of mind to understand what this really is. Mm -hmm. But that equipment issue go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: And and I think that's certainly the right direction to be going in for sure.
1: Do you have any thoughts on um, developing techniques, protocols, framework – so that teams don't do things exactly the same. But, you know, like if I if I'm investigating a homicide and I'm doing it down here in Florida, essentially uh, they're going to do it the same way in California. I mean, there'll be different laws and certainly different uh, procedures they have to follow. But the framework is essentially the same. Do you see that as being something we can do in the paranormal field to get more a more cohesive type of uh, investigation and evidence? Do you think that's possible?
2: Actually, I think it is. <clears throat> excuse me. I think it is possible, Larry, and I think that to have that one um, kind of a, a base that we could all follow as far as procedures and the techniques that we use, and, and come to an agreement of of how paranormal investigations should be conducted. Um, I, I think that's that's really a possibility.
1: If we can get past all the egos, that is right.
2: Uh, <clears throat> yes, and we do know that in the uh, with so many teams out there, there's millions of them. They're all over the world. Um, there's definitely egos. There's competition. Competition is a very sad thing, but that that's something that's definitely going on in the paranormal field right now. It's 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 so competitive of who's going to get the next uh, location, who's going to get the next asylum, let's say. Um, and of course, we all want to investigate these places because we have that need to find out of um, to find concrete evidence.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and with that comes that. We had it in law enforcement for many years, uh, and that's—it's my case. I don't want to share it with anybody, and we get the same problem in the paranormal field. And I'm hoping—I'm hoping—with our our work down here with Para Unity, as we call it, that can hopefully change. And I'd sure like to talk with you, our brothers and sisters up there in Canada, a little bit more about that. So, tell me a little bit about your team. Uh, what? Are, how many folks you got? What do they How many? Uh, what? What do you consist of as far as backgrounds? A
2: little bit well, about t- Ghost. Our, our team is. Is I've had such a high turnaround with this team because I am extremely picky on on who I let into the team. Um, we have uh, right now. I have a bit of a background in sound engineering. Um, I've studied management in school, which gives me the ability to manage the team and control the team in in a uh, uh, in a good fashion. Um, Taylor has been into uh, the paranormal since she was a kid. Um, so she's read a lot of books on parapsychology. Um, uh, uh, Colin and Adam, um, just graduated from college in videography and photography. So they know a lot about cameras. Um, they know everything about cameras and audio for that matter. Um, and, and um, Tracy, which is our admin, she's been doing administration, administrative work for uh, plenty of locations and actually some other teams, uh, also so i I'm, I'm very picky, and we actually um, just lately we've been trying to get some new people in, and uh, we've we've had some good responses and a lot of these people have a very um, large backgrounds as far as the paranormal as far as their skills and the, ta- the talents that they have so um, but right now we're, we're probably about six uh, full-time investigators uh, as far as the team, but we're looking to expand
1: okay, so you you got a good solid team a good good core folks, you bring somebody in new. And I've got a lot of listeners out there that um, either are on teams, they're wanting to join a team, or even start their own team. So you bring somebody new into your group. Do you? Um, what do you expect from them? What do you offer them as far as orientation? Uh, well, if we, somebody was to come in new.
2: It, it's a whole process. First, they, they we have an application on our website, w- which they have to fill in. Uh, which mentions a lot of our strict requirements um, to join our team, and then uh, they fill up the application. We first, then we first get in touch with them. I usually do a phone interview with them at first, and if I feel that uh, if somebody who could fit into our team, uh, we then move forward with a full interview with the whole team. We sit down with them, we find out, uh, we get to know this person, find out what their talents, their skills, their weaknesses are, and then we finally make a decision whether we want them to come into the team or not. Mm-hmm. they they go on a 90-day probation, which means we, for 90 days, just like any other job, I actually treat ghosts like it was a, a business. So okay. they go on 90 days, and we figure out whether or not they can fit in uh, during those 90 days. If they do, then they sign our member agreement, and they become a full-fledged member of the team.
1: Now, uh, that's one thing that worries me <clears throat> with folks coming in, though, backgrounds. Uh are you able to do much of a background? Obviously, I, I just ran into an individual recently that gave me a line of what they were about and what their what was in their past, and uh, rather embellished little story. Did some checking to find checking to find out that, uh, frankly, they uh, flat out lied to me. And obviously, I don't want somebody like that as part of, or or I don't want my group to be part of anything, anybody like that. If you run into that at all, yourself.
2: Yes, we have. And that's the whole point of the 90 days is to find out if the skills that they supposedly have are real or not, and if they could fit into the team. So that's the whole point of the 90 days is Mm -hmm. to get to know this person and and to to get to know their skill set.
1: And do you do any kind of background check on like a criminal history, anything like that at all?
2: At this point, we don't. but That's definitely something that I want to do in the very near future. And I've talked to other groups
1: uh, along the same those same lines. And that that does concern me because you go into folks homes I note that you like a lot of us we offer to help folks out no charge of course but we go into people's homes we certainly don't want to bring somebody in that has a a background of theft or burglary no
3: so no, that, no, no, that, that, no.
1: that yeah that, that's something that worries me quite a bit and I don't think we do enough of that in the field too is to vet our new folks and it's tough there's no doubt about it it's tough so it's um, that's something but, we're working on ourselves go ahead
2: well, definitely something we want to get into also, Larry, because I think it's, it, as you said, we're going into people's homes, uh, where we're going into locations, we did the uh, Bullock House in uh, Gananoque, and um, this is an antique house, it's an old house, there's, there's probably a lot of, of know the owners have stuff so uh, we we don't want to uh, we don't want people to steal anything so of course we monitor of course the whole place is monitored with cameras also sure but yes you're absolutely right we don't want to end up in a situation where uh, an owner or a a place says well listen we had this and this is now missing
1: yeah and just one of those many things that you know you're an administrator of your team as as i am and it's just those type of things that we have to worry about it unfortunately in this uh, crazy world of ours um you i notice you also do a lot of events is that correct
2: we we do some events we we try to try to stay away from it as much as possible and i think this is something that's going on right now in the paranormal field is a lot of teams are concent- concentrating a lot on doing events as opposed to doing investigations um, mm-hmm. events are good because i mean we don't get paid for our services we don't charge any clients for for any kind of fees for our services um but of course we'd like to get you know if the camera breaks we need to buy a new one uh, you know we need to yeah, buy absolutely. some wires so we do events and and workshops and little things to help raise the funds yeah. the funds go in the mm-hmm. team and we use that to buy whatever equipment we need so uh,
3: my, technically just are...
1: try to my group's the same way, and I got another side that I want to bring up, too, but we're about ready to take our second break. Didn't mean to cut you off, my friend. But, uh, folks, I have Daniel Dushno from Ghost out of Ottawa, Canada with us. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back in just a couple minutes after this very, very important break. This is Maritable Steak now.
0: broadcast studios in hamilton ontario canada to the world and beyond you're watching the Zone broadcast network www.xzbn.net
3: you have heard of the Zone? now watch it on simul tv plus 500 video games live tv channels free video on demand worldwide and more
1: And we are back for round three of Paranormal Stakeout tonight with my guest, Daniel Ducheneau from Ghost Hunters of Ottawa for Scientific Truth, website www.ghost-canada.com. Dan, as we were chatting before, we're having kind of a good conversation on events. And I agree with you. We, We do events ourselves, kind of our... Uh, my team, the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation, has what I call the outreach arm, which is Indian River Hauntings. And we do events a lot of for, what, uh, for the same reasons you do. But I have another philosophy that goes with that, too, and that's trying to teach people the right way. And uh, you know, we, our, our events are, are fairly limited in number, and we try to spend a lot of time. We do presentations on proper respect, proper technique proper evidence collection. And I think that's an important part of, um, doing these events too, is teaching the public or people that may want to do this more often, or even become involved with the team, the right way to do it. At least that's how we're looking at it.
2: Uh, I totally agree with you on that one also, Larry. Um, when we ha- hold an event, uh, either for uh, a public investigation or an event, sometimes what we'll do is we'll have a draw Um, We'll sell tickets, uh, draw tickets, and uh, the the winners will maybe announce three winners, and those winners will attend an investigation with us. Um, Of course, when they attend the investigation, we teach them our methods, our techniques, how to be critical, how to gather evidence, how to reduce contamination. So, yes, it's a way of actually teaching people how to properly investigate based on our methods. doesn't mean that our methods are the only way possible, but mm-hmm. it's how we do it. So, yes, it is a good way to actually inform people on the paranormal and how um, proper investigations should be conducted.
1: Uh, yeah, and uh, you, you hit it right on the head, too. My way may not be exactly how you do it, but if I guarantee if we looked at our the structures, they're basically the same. Uh, two people can conduct interviews, for example, a little bit differently. But the structure is still the same, And I think that's what's important, too. I've talked to some folks that have really gotten hung up on, well, there shouldn't be anything anything formalized because uh, we all do stuff differently. We do, okay. but it's go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: No, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I mean, there's no one set way of investigating, but there are certain base principles that are that every group should abide by because, um, let's say contamination. Having a controlled environment, uh, mm-hmm. um, the way to gather evidence. Uh, I mean, the, you can say that there's a right way to do it. Um, the techniques that people use, well, techniques you can do. There's anything's viable at, the, at this point. Um, as we said, the equipment that we use is not 100% proof and we don't really know if it detects paranormal activity. But the gathering of evidence and and the the, the, the actually the way an investigation is conducted that you can have uh, a base that a lot of theme, uh, teams could follow. Mm-hmm. Going
1: back to the uh, the events or maybe even groups that, that go into help, and I put that in quotations, folks, <clears throat> another concern that I have, and I'd like to get your, your view on this, are folks that make promises they can't keep or are not qualified to keep, if that makes sense, i.e., we can um, cross somebody over that's haunting your
2: house. No, we we don't do any of that stuff. We, yeah, and nor nor do we. Yeah, no, no. Um, uh, crossing somebody over, we'd have to prove that somebody's there in the first place. And um, no, we we present our findings to the clients, um, mm-hmm. give them our opinion based on our exp- or our experience as investigators. And they need to come to their own conclusions and if they want to seek help on the outside if they believe well Okay, based on what you've told me I have the feeling my house is haunted or I need an exorcism or something like that They can go to their local church or priest mm-hmm. to, to do that, but we don't exercise Ghosts or demons out of homes. It's just not what we do. We go in we research we document we show our findings and we give them our opinion and they can come to their own conclusions.
1: And in and, and looking at your website and, and checking out what you do, you guys are great about that. But what worries me is the industry itself is filling with people that are making those promises they can't keep. Do you think that's hurting us? I think I,
2: it's I think it's hurting us tremendously, tremendously. I mean, uh, I think a lot of groups may use that as a uh, a way to get in to certain locations by saying, OK, well, whatever we find, we'll get rid of for you. Um, I think it's definitely hurting the industry of uh, investigate of of the paranormal field for sure. It's
1: It's hurting our credibility. Any thoughts yeah. on how in the world we can stop this or how we can control this or police it?
2: By just we just keep doing what we're doing, Larry. I I think me and you are on the same page. We just keep doing uh, what we do and uh, hopefully that'll catch on. And I'm seeing a trend right now where a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of ghost shows on TV uh, Mm -hmm. and and there's a couple of really popular ones. And um, I think a lot of people are starting to uh, steer away from that. They want something that's a little bit more real, kind of like a, a reality kind of, Thing you know where, you know mm. this is what investigating is. It, it's not all fun and games. It's 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 long, can be boring. It it's long hours. It's hard work. Um, it it's it's not what you see on television.
3: So I, no. I see
2: a trend that that's what people are looking for now. And and that's exactly
1: where I want to go. I want I want to take the charlatans out of the picture. The folks that are wanting to make the quick buck out of playing on somebody's sympathies, feelings, or or pain, and and start showing folks the right way to do this, if we're ever going to find out what the answer to this. And I see that as that route being a way to structure, how to put this, to create a, a, a formal organization, if you will, somebody to oversee it, and they can stop the charlatans from going out there and portraying themselves as something they're not and hurting all of us.
2: That's kind, of like, kind of like a, a union for ghost investigators.
1: Okay, well, I don't know that I'd use union, <laughs> but yeah, I see your, your point's well taken. Yeah, yeah.
3: Because it,
1: there's, there's got to be a way we can police ourselves. And until yeah. we start doing that, until we all start taking it seriously enough that we want to police ourselves, it's, this stuff's going to continue. And that concerns me because that's hurting the credibility for all of us
2: exactly and I, I tend to really agree with you that with that one Larry for sure well then I'm gonna put you
1: on the spot and, and, and ask you to join me in this little crusade to create mm-hmm. this type of uh, this type of atmosphere this 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 direction in our field so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to join me on that my friend because I think it can be done um, and I think it's important that we all work towards that
2: uh, you have my, my, my absolute support
1: outstanding, outstanding. <laughs> TV shows. What are your thoughts on those, the TV shows? I know you you said it just a second ago how people are starting to steer away from
2: it. It's But I'm I interested in your...
3: Go ahead. I think
2: it's, it's just so saturated right now, right now. I mean, I've watched all the TV shows. I'm a fan of a couple of them. Um, but... You know, is it really paranormal investigating? Uh, The shows are nice. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like to have my own show, but I would like a reality show. It's a Mm -hmm. show that's, that's what we do a lot of um, on our page. We do, we, we broadcast our investigations live. So you see it as, it as it is. This is what we're doing. You, you see, mm-hmm. you, there's nothing hidden. There's no big camera crew. I mean, our, our, our crew has some really good equipment, but there's no hidden camera crew in the background. It, sure. It's just real investigating. And we try to show people exactly what we do. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it would be different from what you see as the edited um, version that we see on television.
1: Well, yeah, because that's for entertainment, and, and exactly. folks, tend, folks tend to forget that. There's a show that I won't mention in law enforcement that drives me crazy because people watch it, and they say, that's what I want to do, and they don't realize it's entertainment. That's not reality. But I do think the TV shows, and, and a lot of folks in the field do disagree with me a little bit on this. The TV shows, I think, did help in the beginning. Why? Because it made what we're doing more mainstream, and folks that do take it seriously, and began taking it seriously after watching the shows and it was fun and then started looking into it a little more deeply. Um, I think TV did help bring it to the to the mainstream. Now we just got to reel it in a little bit and make folks realize or help folks realize that it's entertainment on TV and that's
2: not the total reality does that make sense? That makes total sense. I think the uh, the TV shows actually yes they brought parent per- the paranormal field into the mainstream. Uh, and 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 people started noticing it a little bit more. But I think at one point it just got out of hand. Um, now it's given us a chance to kind of streamline it and tweak it a little bit more so that way people know exactly what it's really about. and it's it's mm-hmm. it's the shows are good. The shows need the ratings. they um, if they didn't have any ratings, the show wouldn't exist. So they well, have to do things to get ratings, of course. But I think it did help us to getting uh, get into, um, mainstream uh, and people actually seeing what that the, 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 there's actual real investigators out there
1: that are that are doing real work and that's kind of where we're heading right now. I mean, uh, one of the things I talk about is, you know, you you start one of these your group and you enjoy the weekend jaunts and you get a thrill and an adrenaline rush with the the footsteps or the EVP, which we all still get. I'm not going to deny that. But it comes after a while. I mean, it's the same thing. So when are we going to take the next step and start finding out what it is that's causing this? What it, it's what it is that where's this coming from? Not just oh, look, I heard the voice. But what does that voice mean? How did we hear it? And that's where we're heading as a group.
2: Yeah, I, I think we're, we're we're on the same page on that one because I mean, of course, I I love the thrill of of going into a, a location. Um, we all do you know like. And you know, like an asylum. Of course, an asylum is like one of the key places because there, the, we do know there was so much trauma and so much so so many things that happened in these places. And of course, we want to actually experience something. I, I did in the past, I experienced it. Um, was I crazy about it at the time? Well, I was a little bit kind of frightened actually to tell you the <laughs> truth. but um, it it's it's that's what we want. That's we want that experience what we all do
1: that's where it all begins but it's got it's got to develop into something more important well i got it we're going to go to our next break dan uh folks stay with us we've got one more second uh one more section rather for paranormal stakeout so stick with us got some more interesting things to talk about we'll be with you right after this last break stay with us
0: Exon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell visit tv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast centre and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember, X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.
1: And we are back for our final segment tonight on Paranormal Stakeout. I have Dan Ducheneau from uh, Ghost Hunters of Ottawa for Scientific Truth, otherwise known as Ghost Out of Ottawa, Canada. Really glad to have you with us here tonight, Dan. But I also want to tell everybody that we've got a lot of great programming on the Exome Broadcast Network, so I'd invite you to go to our website, www.xzbn.net, to check out all the terrific programming on the network including me i'd like you to mm-hmm. listen in on my show and you can find me also on the, our website or email at www.paranormalstakeout.com I want to remind you also about daniel uh his website is www.ghost-canada.com and you can find him on facebook on ghost canada My face, my uh, team is www.paranormalfbi.com and you can find us on Paranormal FBI on Facebook. Also, Daniel, our last round for tonight, kind of kind of wanted to save the best for last here because these are the questions that everybody wants to know. How many investigations do you think you and your group has done over the years?
2: Oh, it's it's hard to say. Uh, I mean, uh, we haven't done hundreds of investigations because any team that says they've they've done a hundreds and hundreds of investigations uh, that's not true. I mean, uh, invest, <laughs> investigations. Unless you've been doing investigations for about thirty years, um, it's not like you get an investigation every month. You know, you'll get the mm-hmm. occasional call. Somebody's having problems at their house, um, or we'll we'll do some research and find out that a, a location um, has reports of paranormal activity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you don't get hundreds of investigations. I would say safely, we've probably done about between 50 and 100, but not 100 investigations.
1: Okay, well, I, I totally get it. And you also work for a living, so that doesn't mean you're <laughs> well. You're yeah, I Well,
2: yeah, I work full-time, so it's not like I, I do this, I don't get paid to, to investigate. For me, it's like going golfing. It, it's my pastime. It's my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like somebody who likes to play hockey, basketball, or anything else. I like to chase ghosts. That's what I like. That I like to do paranormal investigations, and I hear because it. I have I have a passion for it. So, um, yeah, I can't be doing this uh, full time because there's no there's no pay in it. At, no, right and
1: now. and most of us do that. Most of us uh, investigate. and We don't charge clients anything. But uh, I've heard some talk recently. Like your opinion on this about you know because it does take gas money to drive to a spot and to buy equipment. Some folks have actually talked about
2: charging for investigations what's your thought on that i would never charge for an investigation ever again like we talked earlier to it's, it's, I, I feel like it's taking advantage of somebody's situation and saying okay you're in trouble and we'll help you if you give us this amount of money yeah. uh, my my actual reward is actually helping people it's actually going in there and actually finding out if i do catch something that for me is payment if i if i catch something in that location for me, that's like the holy grail. It, it's worth more than any amount of money. And, and again, it's about taking advantage of people. I mean, I don't have an issue saying, okay, we're going to hold a workshop or we're going to give some draw tickets if you want to attend an investigation or mm-hmm. we'll do a public investigation. We charge people. That's the way we're going to fund the team. But we'll never, never charge a client or somebody who's potentially you know, having trouble any kind of fees. Um, I guess it, it's left to the team's discretion. I mean, I, I disagree with charging a client, but if teams want to do it, and, and and if that affects their credibility, well, that's something they'll they'll have to live with in the future. They right? got to deal with, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> exactly. I'm, I'm
1: totally yeah. I'm totally on on par with you here because I worry about credibility too, and people uh, going into somebody's home and taking advantage of them in their time of need. Um, there, how many times have you? contact been contacted by someone who said my my spouse my <clears> relative just passed away and i i think they're here can you help me locate them and you're really preying on their emotions and that that worries me about the yes. field and I'm, I'm a little worried about it going in that direction uh, tell what's your most significant investigation maybe where you were able to really help somebody do you have a one that comes
2: to mind well it's it's the the one that would come to mind the most was a person without giving out any names because um, we do have a very strict confidential confidentiality agreement with clients mm-hmm. uh, there was one person out in um, a, a place in the Quebec side where it's it's pretty much very secluded um, this person had lost his job he had lost uh, got divorced lost his home like it, it just a lot of stuff just happened and um, he ended up when he lost his home his boss gave him a, a house. Out in in the middle of nowhere uh, and he was there called us saying he was uh, experiencing stuff but as we got there we noticed that you know he had a drinking problem he had we uh-huh. did our research on the we did a re- uh, some research on the person of course and we saw there was a lot of, of factors involved on why he might be seeing stuff so we did we did kind of help him out we we actually uh, asked him if if you know if it would help him um, would he wa- want uh, a reference uh, to be referenced reference to somebody who might be able to cleanse his house. We don't do it ourselves. So we got him in contact with somebody who was Native American. They did a smudging in his home, and we did a follow-up with him after. said, so, you know, okay, how's it going? How are you feeling? So we follow up after, and he said, oh, everything's good now. I feel much better, and so we helped him in a way to kind of subdue the situation he was in. Um, unfortunately, we didn't find anything paranormal going on in his place, but we were capable of putting his concerns at ease more or less. And that brings up a great question. <clears throat> and one thing that uh,
1: we look at, and obviously you do too you do also, folks may be experiencing things that are they think are paranormal, but are really the result of certain stressors or activities in their own life. you You do check that out. You do a background on your your client to find out what's going on with them.
2: As much as we can within legal means, of course, we try to find, we try to, but that's why we do a preliminary uh, investigation. We try to uh, have a sit down with them, get to, uh, get to get a feel for them and see what mm-hmm. their mental state is, what is, what's possibly going on in their lives that might be affecting or making them think they see stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, investigating is not just about showing up at a place one night with some equipment, setting up some cameras, um, sitting in the dark for like 12 hours and then leaving and saying, uh, you know, the house is either haunted or not. There's a lot of prelim- preliminary research that goes into it, uh, researching the location, researching the clients, um, having, you know, meetings with them prior to the investigation to find out their mental states, what mm-hmm. kind of situation mm-hmm. are they willing to share with us what might be going on in their life. So. You know, and then we do follow-ups with them after. We'll follow up to make sure, you know, if you ever have any concerns, you contact us. If, if, things, is, if things are still going on, contact us anytime. With us, the door is never closed.
1: And that's, that's an excellent philosophy. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, obviously, checking to make sure that we know what's going on on in that place is very important, as well as its history. Um, yeah. Scariest. What's the scariest event you've ever had in one of your investigations?
2: Um I'm not really sure I, I wanna share that, but if, okay. if I if, if, if I tell you really quick it was it was more of a personal experience. Um okay. somebody in who was at that investigation, I won't say if it's part one by person of our group or anybody else, but somebody that was at that investigation actually I'm not even gonna say possessed, but they they started acting extremely strange. Mm-hmm. And it actually scared the crap out of the whole team because this person was like total dr jekyll and mr hyde and doing things and then that person actually lost time like they, they said they we said well you did this and did that and they said no i didn't and i said no we have you on camera you did so that was kind of scary it was like okay it was it a possession i don't know was it just fatigue uh, overtired we don't know um but it really really threw the team for a loop because we went like okay is, is there any truth to this kind of stuff possession you know i i, I don't truly believe in it but you know, it, it kind of makes you think of, of all the possibilities out there. So it, that would would be probably the most frightening kind of experience to see somebody suddenly change and start acting a little kind of weird.
1: And there was no chance that they um, were having a, a personal episode of some type that would have caused this. You're confident of that, I assume?
2: I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, we, we investigated after the fact to, to, to find out, like, w- what might have caused this, and, and, and we, we just don't really know. Um, it, it, was, it was something that really threw us, threw us for a loop, and, and um, um, I, I'd say more than most of the team was, was actually afraid of, of, of that experience. Like, why did that happen?
1: Interesting. Best evidence. What's the best evidence you've ever gotten out of one of your cases?
2: Well, I think the best evidence was probably the, uh, the window that we caught at the Ottawa Jail Hostel the, that opened. we've had that examined by people that are experts in in wind effects and, and uh, negative and positive air pressures in buildings. And they said there's no way that window could have opened by itself. Um, so that would be our, 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 probably our greatest visual evidence because we've actually brought it to people, that are specialists in this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. they said, no, there's no way that would have opened, uh, the wind would have done opened the window in that fashion.
1: Well, what was, so, the, what, was the, what was the lead up to it? What, what was going on? Where, where
2: were you investigating in? I... We were investigating the Ottawa Jail Hostel in Ottawa okay. on Nicholas Street. And we had been there about three, four times. And I think this was maybe on the third occasion. And we had heard, um, we had cameras monitoring all the hallways and we all were on the um, opposite hallway and we heard a big bang. Mm-hmm. and we went in the other side of the hallway we we didn't see anything but we said well let's go see on the cameras to see if maybe we caught something and when we reviewed the cameras we saw this window open and it stopped like really dead stop like mm-hmm. it didn't open slam the wall and come back it just almost like mechanically stopped and then it slammed shut and that was the noise that we heard so we were investigating the Ottawa jail hostel at the time and that's that's where we caught that window opening. Hmm. May have to come
1: up there and join you for one of those investigations. <laughs> it might. It might be. I'd like to have you actually. Well, and, and so we can talk about it too. In fact, my very first uh, paranormal experience was in the Dade County Jail. I'd just gotten into law enforcement. Hate to say it, it was in 1980. Saw my very first full body <laughs> apparition you're, walking, walking down <laughs> the yeah I'm, I'm older than dirt no doubt about
2: that <laughs> i wasn't gonna say anything Larry. that's that's uh, we're probably about the same age anyways <laughs> well don't don't date yourself
1: well listen we're about ready for uh to, to end our time tonight i want to thank you Dan- daniel douche of uh, ghost for joining us i enjoyed the time tonight uh yeah, thanks for so, having me yeah we'll talk again soon my friend and i may come up to ottawa and check it out we'll uh We'll uh, talk again soon. Folks, I appreciate you listening to Paranormal Stakeout tonight. I'm Larry Lawson, and we will look forward to seeing you next time on The Other Side. Have a good night, everybody.
0: Whether you're a skeptic or a believer...